Hi, this is Justin. Today on Theocast is part two of two with special guest Pat Abendroth. We are discussing the covenant of works. Last week, we talked about the legitimacy of the covenant of works and the fact that it is in the Bible, uh, contrary to many objections that are often raised against it. Today, we're going to be talking about the implications of the covenant of works, implications of denying the covenant of works and how that affects our understanding of the law and the gospel and how that might end up eroding the assurance of the believer. Why does it matter that you would affirm a covenant of works? That's what we seek to answer today. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Stay tuned. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a confessional, reformed, and we hope pastoral perspective. We are seeking to clarify the gospel and reclaim the purpose of the kingdom. Today, your hosts are John Moffat, who is pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And I'm Justin Perdue, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. And for a second straight episode, we have a special guest with us. Not to be confused with his brother, Mike Abendroth, <laughs> it is none other than Pat Abendroth, who is the pastor of Omaha Bible Church in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm not going to go through the entirety of Pat's bio. If you have not yet listened to last week's episode on the legitimacy of the covenant of works, like is the covenant of works in the Bible? We would encourage you to go check that episode out. Today's conversation is going to be related. I'm going to leave that to John to tee that up in just a moment. But Pat, brother, thank you for being so generous with your time and being willing to record a second episode with us. It's great to have you on. It's a delight. I'm so thankful for Theocast, and I'm thankful for the way the Lord uses you, Justin and John. Uh, a great blessing, and uh, by the grace of God, changing the world. And I mean that sincerely and literally. Amen. Yeah, thank you, brother, for those kind words. Yeah. John, let let the good people out there know what we're going to talk about this time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you uh, if you're tuning in on this episode and you missed the first one, you'll learn a lot here, and we'll think we'll let you hear. Uh, but if you have not had a chance, you should go back and listen to episode one, where we set up the covenant of works. And today we're going to be talking about the implications of it. And the way I would describe it, uh, just as a point of illustration, the, the word of God is vast. It's massive. It's huge. It's a wilderness of beauty. But if you do not have a map to where you are going, you can get lost and it can get dangerous very quickly. And you could find yourself falling off the cliffs of heresy to which that's what we're going to talk about today of uh, the benefits of it how it just gives us a greater insight into the glory of Christ and how we trust and love him more. Or you can lead yourself finding yourself uh, believing in things like federal vision, final justification, and all kinds of other crazy stuff that's out there. So today we're going to be talking about the implications of why this is so important. It's not, um, it's, you know, there's a lot of theology out there that we're frankly, the three of us not interested in. Did Adam and Eve have a belly button? Don't really care. But when it comes down to my standing before the creator of the universe, I really want to know, does he consider me to be clean? And does he consider me to be righteous? I need to know that. And that is what this conversation is about today. So Pat, I'm going to let you go ahead and jump into this first, as far as about the importance of the implications. And I know you have been wrestling with this a lot. Uh, I see you on Twitter. I listen to your podcast. Uh, you and I have had conversations about this. So right. t- share us with some of your concerns about the implications of maybe the negative side of when you reject the covenant of works. What does that produce? 
Yeah, I'm still thinking about the fact that you said belly button. And I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of traumatized. Uh, I'm devastated and traumatized. Sorry. I've thought of such of things. Belly button, yes. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here on Theocast. On Theocast. <laughs> belly buttons would never be discussed on the Pactum. You right. guys are far I too know, mature. No. You're far too far too mature. Now. You guys don't talk about journeys. You don't talk about any of that squishy we, we stuff. All right. Squishy yeah. stuff. Oh, Good. yeah. I, Maybe this is a good place to start, John, and that would be with the fact that it seems that everyone has a category for merit. Everyone puts works mm. somewhere. Uh, works are important. And if we don't look to Christ to do all of the works, if we don't see Christ meriting eternal life for us, uh, in 100% that is, by fulfilling all righteousness, by meeting the obligations, uh, by gaining eternal life for us, if we don't do that, if we don't see it that way, we're, we're, somehow we're in on it. So mm-hmm. now maybe it's 10%, maybe it's a third of a percent, but somehow I have to do something to gain eternal life. And now I've denied the gospel. Now I've undercut the sufficiency of Christ, the final work of Christ. So I think we need to say, let's talk about merit. Let's talk about mm-hmm. works because no matter what, we have a cat, we have a place for it. And we need to make sure it's all of Christ and not us. Otherwise, we get some of the glory. I call it gl- glory grubbing. Uh, and <laughs> it's ugly. It's not good. Um, but oftentimes people say, oh, let's, you know, mer- there's no place for merit talk and theology. And there's no place for talking about works. Well, and then you, t- you listen to their preaching or you listen to their, you know, talking about the Bible. And somehow it's faith plus works equals final justification right. or some other yeah. crazy non biblical perspective. So mm. let's, let's talk about works. Let's talk about law. Let, let's talk about the strictness of God's law that it needs to be met because if we don't, um, we're going to be legalists. That's another side of things. So hopefully that gets us started and gets yeah, us off the topic. There's a lot of there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I, I'm curious to see, uh, and this is not an episode on this, but I think it applies and Justin referenced it earlier uh, I'm curious to see the implications of a covenant works and a law gospel distinction. Like if you don't get the law gospel distinction correct, it's going to influence also your view of covenant of works because what do you end up doing? You're talking about merit. You end up collapsing the law and the gospel and you get gospel, as you say. And yeah. so uh, I this is where when I'm thinking about implications – uh, I'm going to throw some hot stuff out there for you, but where okay, there there I'm can sure. be there can be a collapsing, right? So people that I know of that typically would reject a covenant of works historically, from mm-hmm. what I read, men like John Piper or even uh, John MacArthur in the dispensational world, there tends to be because of that there tends to be a confusion of merits and a law gospel uh, collapsing. So, for instance, thinking about a guy like John Piper who. Every man around here would respect him, and and we're thankful for a lot of the works that he's done. But right. uh, being that he was trained underneath Daniel Fuller, very adamantly against covenant of works, how has that played out in some of his theology in present day that you've seen as far as like this uh, rejecting of really the merits of Christ on our behalf till the end? Right. And for your listeners, uh, it is not just a rumor. It's absolutely true. John Piper does write the forward. I think it's the forward, the endorsement mm-hmm. to the book, The Unity of the Bible by Dan Fuller, where he, uh, John Piper basically makes fun of the covenant of works. It's a so-called mm-hmm. covenant of works. Mm-hmm. So um, 
again, when you try to, and Fuller's basic argument is, you know, it's all law and it's all gospel uh, together. Uh, mm-hmm. It's all blurred together. It's faith yeah. and works. And he denied, by the end, he denied justification sola fide. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you do. That's the logical outcome mm-hmm. when you don't see strict merit and you it's required and law keeping is required. Christ has to do it. And if it's not that, of course, you're going to say it has to be something you do. And then you're going to mm-hmm. say, and then you're going to get caught in it. And you're going to say, well, not for justification, but for salvation. Yeah. Well, that, that doesn't jive with what Jesus says regarding eternal life. Mm-hmm. It's to do this and live. It's eternal life. So he's not strictly saying justification there. Uh, he's talking about eternal life. So and then what you have to do is you have to say, well, then you have to, you know, your faith has to be somehow a faithful faith. And now it has mm-hmm. to be passionate faith. And uh, how much, how much do I have to desire God? And obedient faith and all the rest. Yeah. And it's, it's surely not reformed, classic reformed theology. It's not classic mm-hmm. covenant theology. And mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like Roman Catholicism. It sounds a yeah. lot like new perspectives on Paul, mm-hmm. uh, which is rather odd that it does, but mm-hmm. It certainly does. And I think it robs people of their assurance. It robs people of their, their joy because we should be able to rest in Christ when we trust in Christ. And then we want to obey. We want to have obedient, right. uh, obedience as a result of that. But it's because we're first, first resting in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. If I may, I want to pick back up on a couple of things that have been said. You talked about merit, Pat. You know, we're allergic on the one hand to talking about merit. Yeah in our theological conversation, but then we slip it back in the back door somehow, you know, inevitably we do. I agree with you. And I'm I'm mindful of a passage like Romans chapter two. Uh, We said this, we said this on the SR episode last time, and I just want to make this connection for people explicitly now on the regular show that when we talk about the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, that is in many ways synonymous with law and gospel. Mm -hmm. When we talk about that distinction, because when we talk about the law, as opposed to the gospel, do this and live Leviticus 18, five, that is the law viewed as a covenant of works to be kept for righteousness before the Lord. Whereas the gospel is the message of what Christ has accomplished in fulfilling the law and its penalty given to us by faith. And so thereby we're righteous before the Lord in Christ. But the language of Romans 2 is significant on a number of levels pertaining to the covenant of works and the law and the gospel distinction. Because Romans 2, 5, the second portion of that verse, we're told that the day of wrath will come when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So God's going to judge the world on what? Principles of righteousness. And mm-hmm. you've already defined what that means. It's adherence to the law. Yeah. And then the next verse, he will render to each one according mm-hmm. to his works. Whoa. So we've got works talked about there. Now, I mean, we could talk all afternoon, all, I mean, all day long about this passage and like the words of Haldane and others, you know, you, you either leave Romans two, six to 13, a Protestant or a Romanist, and there's no middle ground. I mean, amen. I'm here for it. Right. I mean, we could talk about that. Uh, okay. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. But, but, and in God's providence, I'm actually, I'm preaching Romans two, one to 16 this coming Sunday. So I'm Ooh, a little, a little hyped up on it. Well, I haven't even, I haven't even begun prep yet, but I'm already excited. Um, yeah. It, so it, it but, is. It's amazing. You know what, Justin, just to interrupt you for a second. Please I, do. I, I love Romans to be interrupted, two, but for good things. <laughs> almost like a litmus test. So if I want to yes. figure out where someone is theologically. Yes. Uh, in fact, oh, yeah. I did it one time. I was going to have a man come and preach for me when I was out of town. And um, I, I, he was preaching through Romans. And so I listened to the Romans 2 sermon. And it was basic, basically Roman Catholicism. Oh. I just thought, yep. this, is, this is terrible. 
Yes. Romans 2 is strict law, right? It is. God God justifies the doers of the law. And basically people say, so you better get busy. Yep. (laughs) Or, or they say, or they'll say, you know, it's mysterious. Uh, Like this is, and we don't need to name any names right now, but I mean, modern commentators who are respected. Yeah. uh, One of whom was a professor of mine will say something like this, that it's, it's really mysterious because on the one hand, we know that we're justified by grace through faith in Christ alone. But then here, you know, in Romans two, six and following it, somehow our works are going to factor into our final salvation, you know? And it's, it's wild because like you said, what, what Paul is doing there in the flow of his argumentation, it's straight law because it is true that God will judge the world on principles of righteousness and he will render to each one according to his works. Yeah. He will reward those who do good and punish those who do evil. The problem is no one's good. Right. 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 And, well, and this is why a righteousness, you know, has to be revealed apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Yeah. So right. there, there, it's a really short line. There's only one yeah. person standing in that line. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Jesus. So you'd better be <laughs> trusting in him. Amen, dude. And this, but, and so this is related to our conversation about the covenant of works and, and thereby then the covenant of grace, because if we understand that Adam had this covenant that God made with him, where he could have earned justification through his obedience, or he could damn us all through his disobedience, which we know occurred, then Christ as the second Adam comes to fulfill and succeed in every way the first Adam failed. And so now in him as our representative, we are counted with his perfect obedience and his perfect merits, his perfect works are counted as ours. Yeah, and that's what, yeah, so this, be justified by faith, exactly, faith in him. He's exactly. the doer of the law. That's right. And we are, you know, Sproul is famous for saying this. I'm sure many others have said it, that we are saved by works, just not ours. Mm, we're saved by the works of Christ counted to us. And this is why justification, we touched on this last time. Justification is more than just being forgiven. You know, some people will say to be justified is to be as though you never sinned, to which we would right. say, okay, that, that's true, but that's only half the story. Just as it's, if I it, never sinned, right? Yeah, How about exactly. Just as if I always personally, perfectly, and perpetually kept the law. <laughs> that's right. Just so don't cut the work of Christ perfect. in half. Don't cut the work of Christ in half. Yes, yeah. he atoned for our sin. He was, he's the propitiation for our sins. He made satisfaction for those. All that's true. And he is our righteousness in that he fulfilled all of the righteous requirements of God. He fulfilled the law perfectly. Mm. Yep. And that is what it is to be justified, to be declared yep. just in the presence and in the sight of a holy God. Yeah. Amen. So it's I, the I like covenant of works is a big deal. I like to say God doesn't require nothing. So if you're only forgiven, you're at zero. Um, mm-hmm. God doesn't require that. He requires that you love him with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor yes. as yourself. So we, we need positive uh, adherence to law. So God requires that. So, Pat, talk to us about your experience in pastoral ministry and even probably through the Pactum about when these are blurred, it really does rob people of assurance. Why does it rob them of assurance? Because in part, because they read the Bible and they read the Bible and they see God requires a lot. Um, yeah. there, there's, as you did in the intro, John, there, there's, the Bible's a big book and there's a lot of things in there and a lot of things to grasp. And there's so many commands and there's strict mm-hmm. requirements and Romans chapter two, you ought not have any assurance unless you mm-hmm. understand, uh, what God requires and that Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it Amen. reminds me of first John chapter two, you know, where it says, you know, basically don't sin. Uh, but if you do, <laughs> right, we have comfort. We have an advocate, Jesus Christ, 
the righteous, Jesus yeah. Christ, the perfect obeyer. Uh, we, we, we have him. So don't sin, but just know that you're in, if you're in Christ, you have perfect righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, that's assurance. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, so let me put it this so way. Then. Your expectation, your expectation before you're a believer is to, according to the law, is to perfectly obey the law, which when we don't do that, right? So now mm-hmm. those of us who are in Christ, we've been regenerated, we're adopted. What What is God's expectation of us now as it relates to this covenant of works we're talking about? What's the expectation so that we can help people find rest? How does that, how do, how do you give someone assurance based upon God's expectation now? Maybe what I want to do is Go back to, and I'm going to get there, but go back to what, what does God require? I, I really want to sharpen the pencil uh, mm-hmm. of the strictness of God's law. Mm-hmm. I, I want people to understand it's way worse than you ever thought. Let me remind you uh, of what God's law requires mm-hmm. so that you're reminded that you, there's only one solution. And the one mm-hmm. solution is Jesus Christ, the righteous, mm-hmm. because God still requires perfection. So you need Christ. But if you have Christ, you have rest. And so now you're resting. Now there's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. Well, now that there's no condemnation, I'm not terrorized. I'm not, you know, completely paralyzed by fear. So I can live boldly and I can live courageously and I can do the right thing. Uh, And I'm not afraid of getting, you know, I haven't earned my way into the family. I'm in the family. Um, Mm. There might be discipline involved, but I I want to operate out of, I already know the end, Uh, judgment day, it could be condemnation or justification. And in light of Romans 5 and Romans 8, we're already told the end. Mm -hmm. There is therefore now no condemnation. There's now no future judgment of condemnation uh, because we're justified. Mm. Well, now now I'm bold. Now, uh, when I fall down, I get back up by God's Mm -hmm. grace. I'm encouraged. Um, I'm in. I'm in the family. That's right. So, well, it makes no, sense yeah. too because we're described as being in a war. We're in a battle, right? And we're trying to take the the kingdom of light into the kingdom of darkness. And the greatest tactic I think Satan has is to remove the sure-footedness and even mm-hmm. the sure grasp mm-hmm. that I have the light. And mm-hmm. you're not going to be boldly running into the darkness, spreading the light. If you're not confident, you hold the light, you have the mm-hmm. light, right? And so this yeah. is why I hate this whole concept of denying the covenant of works and really the imputed righteousness of Christ, because it removes the confidence of the believer. When Paul mm-hmm. says, there is no condemnation, do not worry, right? Well, that right. gives me like, I'm going to fail and fumble and fall over the place, but at least I know I'm not going to be condemned. Let's go. Like, right, let's, mm-hmm. let's proclaim Christ. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So on our, one of our local mountain bike trails, there's this uh, little tiny brick path and think of like a riding a, it's not, it's not, it's not as narrow as a tightrope, um, like a cable, but it's really narrow, this mm-hmm. little tiny brick path. And, oh, it's maybe a blo- a city block long. And I never fall off of it. I, I can ride it perfectly. I think maybe once in my life, but maybe a hundred times I've never fallen off of it. I can ride it perfectly. It's kind of, you know, makes you nervous, but, but I can make it every time. And uh, the reality is if that were raised up off the ground, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's, it's ground level. If it were raised up off the ground, you know, five feet or 50 mm-hmm. feet, let's say, but even, even one foot, I would mm-hmm. fall off every time. Yep. 
because I, I just would, my, it would get in my head and I would fall off every time, but because, you know, it's ground level, I can write it perfectly because mm-hmm. I know that, you know, the consequences are, are no big deal. I'm safe. Right. Um, wow. That's not really a perfect good. illustration. No, but, but it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Well, because, you know, we talk about the law, even the third use of the law guiding our lives in Christ, and we don't need to go too far down this road, but the the reason that that can be true and that we can seek conformity unto the law, even as sinner saints, is because the teeth of the law has been removed. Yeah. It yeah, no longer think, condemns us. Right? I like that image. That's good. Yeah. And I think yeah. of Romans chapter six, we're not under law, we're under yep. grace. Yep. What's interesting about that is, you know, he says, you're not under law, you're under grace. And then he goes on and on and on to use law words. Sure. <laughs> because he's basically, he's basically saying you're, you're not under law for justification. Exactly. But you're under law still a third yeah. use kind of thing. That's third right. use. Cause it's, it's obey. It's obey. Because you, it's right. Kind of you've been united to Christ. You've been set free yeah. from the condemnation of the law, but yeah. you've now so become really obedient from the heart is, too. Yeah. Yep. It's good. Yep. You're not under law for justification, but yep. you are under law because the law is good and righteous Amen. and holy and it's a light into your path. And now it all of a sudden makes a lot of sense. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith Versus Faithfulness, A Primer on Rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. For me, a couple of things that I'd love to accomplish before this episode's over, uh, the latter one being, I think a great landing place for this episode would be Romans 5, 1 to 11. Mm. We alluded to this in the first episode, but we could yeah. connect that and, and help people see Romans 5, 1 to 11 and how it relates to Adam and Jesus and representation and all of this. So that maybe is the ending place. But let's briefly talk about this, the term monocovenantalism. Mm. So... That's a big. Oh, he's like, getting theologically huh? heavy now. Huh? I mean, I, like I, I thought I thought Theocast was just pop level, like whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, monocovenantalism is a is a term for just putting it in layman's terms, denying a, a covenant of works, like this this framework of covenant of works and grace, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a number of different presentations of monocovenantalism. Mm-hmm. But Pat, I would love for you to talk for a minute about what that that means. And then maybe we can talk about a couple of the popular ways this shows up and why it's so damaging just sure. quickly. Yeah. So we would, we would say, I, I had a class one time actually with RC Sproul. Um, so mm-hmm. I just want to name drop. So, sure. <laughs> and it was really interesting. It was the justification class. And Who spoke so, at your graduation? That's right. He did. <laughs> um, I sat there and just cried my eyes out. So, um, that's awesome. and he preached, he preached on the act of obedience of Christ. Hey, so oh, come on, son. Let's do this. No hope without it. That's right. Yeah, it Anyways, keep going. So anyway, we're sitting in a cl- you know, classroom with maybe 12 people. Um, and the question was posed to us, how many covenants do you believe in? Mm-hmm. So he wanted to, you know, one question was, what is the gospel? And he went around the room and we all had to explain. Uh, but this question was, how many covenants do you, do you affirm? And it was interesting because, you know, my friends who are not associated with covenant theology, you know, they're trying to count on their hands, you know, Abraham. <laughs> <Sure. Nick>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. You know, and then all the Presbyterians, they, they understood the question. Yeah. Um, they understood and, the assignment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So basically, you know, and, and my friend, let's just, let's just say his name is Kirby because that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, so when people, my friend Kirby, when people were saying two, he was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Um, well, basically, you know, two or three, because classic right. traditional covenant theology is bi-covenantal. Right. So covenant of works, covenant of grace. Right. And then sometimes we would say, in addition, you know, covenant of redemption. Right. Tri-covenantalism. Tri-covenantal framework. Yeah. yeah. But right. basically, uh, the, the, the vernacular, the verbiage is, are you bi-covenantal or are you monocovenantal? And really, that's what RC was wanting to know uh, where people were, because if you're bicovenantal, you're a tr- traditionalist. You you mm-hmm. affirm the distinction between the law and the gospel, and you have yep. covenant of works, covenant of grace, and you're going to get justification right. <laughs> Therefore, mm-hmm. now that's a huge statement that you just made. Okay, that to say to, I'm serious, like that, and I agree wholeheartedly with what RC said. Like if you if you get the covenant of works and grace right, you're mm-hmm. going to tend to get justification right. Yes. If you don't get these covenants right and you mash them together, yep. you will, you may get justification right, but it'll be an accident. I mean, it'll yeah. be an inconsistent conclusion that you've drawn. Yeah, absolutely. New perspective yeah. on Paul, federal vision, final justification. Should we keep going? Yeah. Yep. You know, Pat, yep. keep going, man. Yeah. So you're exactly right. So mono, mono, mono covenantalism is a bad idea. It's a bad thing. Uh, we could, you know, let's, let's use Carl Bart as an example. Mm. So mm-hmm. Carl Bart, 1886, 1968, uh, he hated the distinction between law and gospel, covenant mm-hmm. of works, covenant of grace. He was a, he's a classic mono covenantalist and, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he gets everything wrong because of it. And so mm-hmm. it's interesting then to watch other people who studied under him, Dan Fuller, um, yep. you know, it, it, his theology reflects Bart, maybe not in, 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 in its entirety, right. but it's no wonder. Uh, and so you're going to get everything wrong as a monocovenantalist. And yet today, also in the federal vision, we have people yeah. who essentially are monocovenantal. And so it's no wonder uh, that mm-hmm. they don't like the law gospel distinction. It's no wonder that they, they tend to get, justification sola fide mm-hmm. wrong mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's hugely problematic um well they openly say and, they reject the cov- the title covenant of works and yeah. they try to retitle it but they all they're doing is as you're saying they're creating one covenant at this moment yeah right well and what the, what often happens with this at least in my observation like where this becomes so obviously damaging is that people who deny the distinction between the covenant of works and the covenant of grace and become monocovenantalists they're just one covenant mm-hmm. and they they loop adam in with that and they'll say that Adam would have been saved through obedience and obviously faith. So it's faith and obedience for Adam, and then it thereby becomes obedience and faith for us. And like it's always been the plan that it's faith and obedience, it's faith and our faithfulness. And right. this is, I mean, that's what the Federal Vision guys say, objectively speaking. And then there are many other people, the Final Justification Camp and others, uh, even lordship guys that try to weave obedience and repentance and all that kind of stuff into the definition of faith because of this collapsing of categories. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what we want to, we want to keep them distinct. Otherwise we ruin both. So keep the law distinct from the gospel covenant of works, covenant of grace, keep them distinct. They're both yeah. important. They're both vital. But if, if, if you blur them, you ruin both of them. So That's then right. you weaken yeah. faith so and true. make it something else and you weaken the law. Yep. So. That's like, so now, yeah, and I don't it want does. to get graphic in this, and I've never used this illustration before. Oh dear! But look just out. don't say belly button. <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I was literally thinking. Right. Like, look out! But there's the when we think about just human reproductive, there is there is what keeps. <laughs> well, hold on, there's what keeps a human alive, and there's the evidence of their life, and then there is how a human comes into an existence, and those two things are separate. They're not the same thing, and I think understanding like there is what brings someone to life. 
in Christ, right? The proclaiming mm-hmm. of the gospel, and that is purely done by God's power, by his proclamation of his good news. And then there is the evidence of what has happened. And what we're trying to say is we're collapsing the two that mm-hmm. the evidence now is part of how one is justified or how one mm-hmm. comes to life. And all three of us here are going to say our ministries, our pulpits, our podcasts are all designed. We have to keep those separate. The evidences of salvation, the fruit of our life is never influencing, affecting, uh, infiltrating, <laughs> infusing our justification. Sanctification and justification, law, gospel, they have to be distinct at all times. Yep. And it yep. can be confusing at times when you're reading scripture. For instance, Pat, I'll throw this over to you. Sometimes people will use James too, and they'll say, well, well, it says faith without works is your, your justification is dead. And I think what, I would agree say with James. James. I think yeah. James, is, James is right. <laughs> <laughs> but as a great example, why do you feel like there is this resurgence? It feels like, I think it's always been around here, but why do you think there's this resurgence of, of, you know, like you and I, all three of us here, we'll tweet something out. We'll put it on a podcast and people we will, we will give the gospel. And what's the first thing they say, but right. And then there, there's a, has to be a mentioning of works. Why do you think that, what, what is the, what, why, why are people feeling that necessity to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to have works. Right. Because we're all Pelagians at heart, at heart. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's the mm-hmm. knee jerk reaction. We, we love to, to rob glory from God. We love to get in on the action. Uh, we, we want to, you know, have a heaven be a mutual adoration society or something. <laughs> I mean, it's, oh, just, man. it's part of the fall. We, we, we love to play God. We love to get mm-hmm. in on the action. And mm-hmm. uh, that's why we, you know, had a reformation. That's why we'll, we'll always keep fighting this battle. Yeah. Um, it's why Galatians had to be written. Yes. So the battle will never end until glory, but yeah, it's the true. worth, it's the thing worth fighting for. It's our it first is. importance uh, and so I don't want to fight about everything, but we, we need to fight over this because the yeah. glory of God is at stake, the good of his people, their assurance. Um, you know, Rome stole people's assurance. That's one of the main things that they, you know, damned is Protestant assurance. That's right. So we, as Protestants, I, I don't think we should forget that. It would, it would, mm-hmm. if, if we could just remember, pretend like you're talking to a Roman Catholic when you're explaining the Bible and you're probably going to be, get it right. But then don't forget your Protestantism, <laughs> you know, when you're doing verse by verse exposition. Um, so, but I think there's a positive resurgence too. So we're going to yes. keep fighting this battle, but the positive resurgence is good. I just spoke to a man yesterday, a pastor, and he's like, okay, help me out. Help me think through, you know, the fact that Jesus said, follow me. Mm-hmm. Is that law or gospel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I was and so the answer happy is. That. It's the law. That's right. Absolutely. Pick up yeah. your cross and follow me is not Absolutely. gospel. It's not good news. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. I said, you know, it's good, but the problem yeah. is we're not very the good law at is following good. Jesus. That's and, right. Uh, if we were good at it, he didn't need to be crucified to make atonement for our bad following. It's true. So, but, but I know he'll never think about it the same way again. I, I know he, he sees good. it. And, and so it's wonderful. It's great. Yeah. We, we need to go to Jesus for rest you know, mm-hmm. come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give Amen. you rest. Yeah, there you go. That's gospel. Right. Um, but following Jesus is law. Now, yeah. now, once we rest in Christ, right, then we want to, then we want to follow him. That's right. Because we belong to him. So mm-hmm. I, it's wonderful. I think Jesus yeah. is better than we even thought. 
Amen. Right? Amen to that. Yeah. And like you said, it, we don't want to fight about everything. We don't always want to define ourselves by what we're against. We say that stuff all the time here. And this is worth fighting for. I mean, this is the most important thing. You, this language is used by a lot of our biblicist law gospel collapsing friends where they'll talk about obedience and say, you know, heaven and hell hang in the balance. And in reality, heaven and hell do hang in the balance on this conversation sure. because, because it is a conversation over justification and how a person could ever be seen as just in God's sight. So right. let's land this conversation, guys, briefly with Romans 5, mm-hmm. uh, 1 to 11, and then we'll shut it down. Uh, we talked about it earlier because we talked about Romans 5, 12 to 21, and we said we would come back to this. So let's do that now. I have one thought on it that I'll save, maybe, if it's not already taken by you guys as we discuss this. Pat, you had mentioned Romans 5, 1 to 11 earlier. What was in your mind as you were thinking of that? So I was thinking in terms of the practicality of the Mm -hmm. doctrine of justification. So that comes, I think, in the second part of chapter Mm 5. So um, sometimes, yeah, I think that's the second part, which we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. The first part deals with suffering and difficulty and how we can make it through life in this broken, fallen world filled Mm -hmm. with calamity and difficulty and pain and turmoil. And I think the answer comes in the latter part. You know, your big, your biggest problem, uh, your ultimate problem, your eternal problem has been solved. Yeah. And therefore you can face tomorrow. Therefore yeah. you can persevere. Therefore you can face no matter what happens to you in suffering. Mm-hmm. So that's my summary of, of chapter five. And yeah. it, it shows the importance of doctrine. It's, it's why mm-hmm. theology matters. It's why this important doctrine is so precious and wonderful uh, because again, to repeat myself, your biggest problem has been solved. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it, it helps me to face the other problems that might be big, uh, yeah. but God is not against me anymore. He's for me in mm-hmm. Christ. It's mm-hmm. my only comfort in life and in death as the catechism says. Amen to that. Let's have yeah. an altar call now. <laughs> Amen. Uh, yeah. Romans five, one and following. In, in my mind, is one of the first texts that I will offer to people that are advocating a final justification kind of position, hmm. where it's this, you know, we, we acquire the right to eternal life by faith, and we'll actually uh, acquire eternal life itself through faith and obedience, you know, this, this idea. And um, I, I just say, you know, I mean, read Romans 5, 1 and following. It's very clear when Paul says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think he means you have peace with, with God now, but you might not have peace with God forever, you know, on account <laughs> of what a, Christ has done, right? I, that, that, that doesn't work because like you just said, he goes on to talk about how we rejoice in all the, even the difficult things that we go through because we know what God is doing in and through us because uh, we've, had the love of God poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, you know? And then we go on to, how do we know this, that we have peace with God and all this? How do we know this is a certainty? Well, because when we were weak and when we were sinners and when we were God's enemies, Christ died. And if we've been saved by the wrath of God, how much more will we be justified by his life? I mean, it's, we're going to be saved by his life and all these things. It's a wonderful text. Um, and it Absolutely. blows up, blows up a lot of this final justification and the weaving in of works and the uncertainty and the unsettling that occurs as a result of that. We say, ah, I don't think justification means you're okay with God today and you might not be tomorrow. It's very clear that because it's grounded upon Christ, it's now and forever. Mm. You know, That's It helps so us to avoid theological pastoral malpractice. It's true. <laughs> it's very true. 
John, any I, final thoughts from you, bro? Uh, no, I, I think this has been very helpful. I, I, I just wish, you know, we could have more conversations, which I think we're going to be able to sure. do that in the coming months. Uh, we'll have longer opportunities where we aren't so pressed by time, yeah. but no, my, my encouragement to you is, um, if you struggle with assurance, if you're struggling with trying mm-hmm. to wrestle with this, listening, um, to things like the Pactum, um, even going back to their, their series on what is biblicism, their episode, on theonomy, their their series on the mm-hmm. five solos was fantastic. Go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. The point of it is, you've got to reorient your brain. From I, I want to go back to Pat's illustration. Um, the point of the gospel is to remove the fear of consequence. Like when he was talking about riding across that brick that brick path that's not mm-hmm. fifty feet in the air, we we shouldn't be walking every day fear of falling out of favor with the Father. He says, I lose none. And he's given us all the assurances of the covenant of work saying Christ fulfilled what you could not. And he removed, he paid for your sins. So my encouragement is listen to reaffirmations of the gospel. Ground yourself in the truth of that. As Paul says, he wants to make nothing known except for Christ and him crucified. Um, So pay attention to the parts of the gospel that ground us in the foundation of Christ. He holds us. We do not hold Christ. He holds us. And because he holds us, we have the opportunity to proclaim that light loudly. That's my final thought. I would recommend, John mentioned a few Pactum episodes already. Pat, you guys did something, at least a couple of episodes, I think, on the active obedience of Christ somewhere in the 20s. And I remember listening to those summer before last, and I I remember shooting you a message. I was greatly encouraged. I was on vacation with my family and and running in the morning, listening to those. And I would commend those to the listener as well, Mm. in addition to the ones that John mentioned. Appreciate it. Yeah, there are two episodes on the active obedience of Christ. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, thank you again for being on with us today. We are now going to head over and briefly, just for the sake of time, record a Semper Reformanda episode. If Pat is able to stay on with us, that will be even better. (laughs) If not, John and I will handle it. We thank everybody for listening and for tuning in. And the other podcast we're about to record called Semper Reformanda is for people who have partnered with our ministry. We're grateful for that partnership and that support. If you're interested in finding more out about what it would be to to support Theocast in this way and get access to additional content, all that fun stuff, and to get access to the app where we're on there and encouraging one another, uh, all those good things, you can find that information over at theocast.org. If you're not yet listening to the Everyday Grace podcast, we would commend that to you as well. Just excerpts from sermons of mine and John's and podcast clips to encourage you in Christ Jesus each day. Uh, With all that by way of housekeeping, I think we're done here. Grace and peace to everyone until next week. Thanks, Pat, for coming. 